Here we are, um, we are starting our brand new series, the book of Colossians, and found in the New Testament. And we're going to be going, we're going, to be going chapter by chapter today, we're going to be starting with chapter 1. I thought that's probably the best place to start rather than in the middle. So it's going to start chapter 1. And the book of Colossians, it's really a letter, a letter written to this church in Colossae. And so are you, are you ready to get into the series? Let's get into some, it's been a while, it's been five weeks since I've done any kind of um, ministry so, or teaching. So it's so good to be back here and, and back in. So, so let's, get, let's get into this book. And, and honestly, since being in the Cook Islands, we've learnt so much about the gospel. We're so inspired. I was so inspired by the London Mission Society who came to the, to the Cook Islands and who initiated um, the gospel being spread along the South Pacific. I was really inspired by um, Reverend John Williams, he was the one who initiated the spread of the gospel right through the Pacific. Um, you can go to Samoa, you can go to Vanuatu. John Williams really, he was the one who initiated all the spread of the gospel through the South Pacific uh, way back in the early 1800s. In fact, John, Reverend John Williams, he had this belief that natives taking the gospel to natives was the best way forward. So what does he do? He empowers two Tahitian men. Um, by the names of Papahia and Vayapata. And, he takes, and they take the gospel to Aitataki. They, they, in fact, they, they did such a great job. In fact, it'll take two years and the whole island is converted to Christianity. So what does um, John Williams do? He picks, up, he picks up Papahia and he takes him to Rarotonga in 1823 and the rest is history. Did you know that God wants to use you? God wants to use you regardless of your beginnings. Regardless of how life has, 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 has treated you, God wants to use you. You are exactly who God wants to use. Your skills, your experience, everything you are is exactly who God wants to use. Whether you've got a PhD or know anything, God wants to use you. Whether you're, uh, you're a retiree or a student, God wants to use you. Don't say that you're too old. Don't say that you're just too young or, you're, uh, or you've just had a baby or I'm not smart enough or I'm, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not good at speaking. The fact is you are exactly who God wants to use because God doesn't call the qualified but he qualifies the called. The reason why you are qualified is because God is calling you because God, God, God's plans for you are good to give you hope and a future. So let's get into this book, Colossians chapter 1, verse 1. And this, is, and, and this introduction is really where this book is going. So let's go to verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, verse 2, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. So the apostle Paul, he's writing this letter to this new church that's been planted in Colossae. And, and so this letter is known as the prison epistles. The prison epistles. It's one of the, one of the letters that Paul wrote from prison. And the epistles mean fancy way of saying letters. And he writes this, and more likely he wrote this from prison, from Ephesus. And Ephesus is in modern-day Turkey on the seacoast of modern-day Turkey. And he's writing it to Colossae, about 100 miles in from the seacoast. And he writes this letter to encourage this new church in Colossae. Verse 3, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith 
in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Now, I love this because what Paul's saying, he, he, he speaks about three main features of Christian living. Three main features of Christian living. In fact, he spoke about this in the most famous chapter in 1 Corinthians, the, where you hear about it at weddings. 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. But what does it end with? It ends with faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love, the three main features of Christian living. The faith which reaches out to grasp what God offers in Jesus, the love which binds the community together, and the hope that looks forward to a time when God completes what he has begun with Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. And he goes on. And of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel. You've heard this from the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing. This word that you've heard, it's growing right around the world. It's bearing fruit as it is also as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. Epaphras. Sounds like a good name to, to name a son. Um, does anyone know Caleb Smith? Some of you might know Caleb Smith and, uh, and his um, brother over here, and Elliot's nephew. Uh, they named their son Epaphras. And, and I think it must come from this passage, right? So, Epaphras. And so Paul is the one who... who who introduced the gospel message to Asia Minor, to this region, Turkey and around this area. He's the one who, who, brought, who brings the gospel to this part of the world. But, but it was Epaphras who planted the church in Colossae. It was him who planted. So Paul, is, he's writing to me, and, and it's more than likely that the apostle Paul has never been to Colossae. Right? But Epaphras, he, he hears the message and he plants a church and people coming to Christ and they're growing. So he writes to them and he's thanking God that the gospel has taken root in their life and, and, he, and he wants to tell them how to nurture it so they can bear even more fruit. And this reminds me of the gospel coming to the South Pacific. It was Reverend John Williams who brought the gospel to this region, but it was Papa Ia who planted the church in the Cook Islands. Right, and it's the same thing. And, and then he comes and, he, and, he, and, he, and the missionaries come and they begin to grow and they nurture it to make it grow. And he, 200 years later, the church is thriving today. Let's go to, down to verse 11. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints and light. You have been qualified. That Jesus qualifies you. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. See, up until this point, when we read the gospel, only Israel were God's chosen people. They were God's chosen people. Everyone outside of Israel, they were separated from God, far from God. Right? But now... Jesus invites everyone. He invites the people of Colossae. He invites you to come on in, to come on and be part of God's chosen people, to be part of God's family, delivering us from the realm of, of darkness to the realm of light because Jesus has qualified you. He quali what, what qualifies you to be part of God's chosen people? Jesus qualifies you. Because God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Now, the next few pas passages we're going to go into, um, verse 15 onwards, it's, it's a poem. 
And the Apostle Paul, he inserts a poem or hymn into this part of his writing. He's, he's, he's there penning this letter. And right about here, he inserts a poem. I'm not sure if he wrote the poem himself or he heard the poem from somewhere else, but he, he inserts this poem right here. And this poem is a central component of the letter to the Colossians. It provides the basis of Paul's key points to the next few chapters. He's going to write in the next few chapters, but this, this is the basis of his, of his letter. So while Paul was in prison, he heard about reports of false teaching going on in the city of Colossae. Apparently people were saying, well, you know, Jesus... He's a good start. Yes, he's a good guy. He's a nice guy. He's a good start, but you need other beliefs. You need other practices. These need to be added for you to, to, to live a good life. And so Paul responds by affirming that nothing needs to be added to the work of Christ. As Lord of all creation, he is more than enough for every believer. And you need to know that, that Jesus is more than enough for you. That, you. that we don't need to change Jesus so he can fit society. That these are our society norms and we need to kind of change it a little bit. That he is the Lord of all creation. And he is more than enough for you. So let's get into this poem that he, it's quite a theological masterpiece. So let's get into verse 15. This is the poem, it starts like this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He is God in the flesh. The firstborn, he is the supreme preeminent. Verse 16, for by him, all things were created. That through Jesus, Jesus is the creator. Everything was created by him. This is what the Apostle Paul inserts this thing. In heaven and on earth, visible, everything physical, everything that you can touch, every physical being, every, every physical thing, Jesus is the creator of all these physical things that we can see on this earth. And invisible, the spiritual realm was created by Jesus. Every um, spiritual being is created by Jesus. Everything physical, uh, uh, physical, everything visible, and everything invisible was created by Jesus. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things were created through him and for him. See, there are other gods out there. This is what this passage is saying. There are other gods out there, and, and in Hebrew, the word gods is the word Elohim. And Elohim is a plural form, literally means spiritual beings. There are other spiritual beings out there, but be careful not to worship these other spiritual beings because these spiritual beings are created beings. You need to be worshiping the creator, not a created thing. And there are a lot, there are a lot of other gods out there. There's a lot of other spiritual beings out there want to take your worship. Be careful. The created things. We don't worship created things. We don't worship a tree. We don't worship a rock. We certainly don't worship created spiritual beings. And so, so Paul's putting this in. Be careful what, where you put your worship to. Verse 17. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You take Jesus away, everything comes crumbling down. You take Jesus out of your life, things begin to crumble around you. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. When we read scripture, there's plenty of people who've been raised back to life, but Jesus is the first one to be raised back to life for all eternity. These other people who were raised back to life, they later died. 
We're reading script. They, they, Jesus he, he raised so many, uh, uh, certain people back to life, and then they died again. Jesus rose back to life for all eternity. He's the firstborn. This is what it means, that he is, he is the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent, that he is supreme. Verse 19, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That Jesus hasn't just got part of God in him, he hasn't, he hasn't got half of God in him, that he's, he is fully God. He is the fullness of God dwells within him. He is fully God and fully man, not half God or half man. He's not a demigod. He is God in the flesh. Verse 20, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Right, that he qualifies you. You who are separated from him. He brings you near by the power of the cross. See, but by looking at Jesus, we discover who God is. When we look at Jesus, we discover who God is. He is the image of the invisible God. Nobody has ever seen, nobody has ever seen God, but in Jesus, he has come near to us, and he has become one of us. With Jesus, we find ourselves looking at the true God himself. The great thing about that is that the more that we look at Jesus, the more that we realize that the true God is the God of utter self-giving love. That God is love, that Jesus is self-giving love, giving of himself. And this is the God that we serve. Not that, we, that, it's, that he's so apart from us, but he loves you, but he gives of himself to you. And in him we have peace and love. Verse 21. And you... This is Apostle Paul. And you, who once were alienated, who once were separated from God, far away from Him, and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, doing your own thing, and I don't care if anyone get hurt, because it's about me, myself, and I. Verse 22. He is now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order to present you holy, and blameless, above reproach before him. That Jesus, that Jesus, he presents you blameless before God. He goes, oh no, what did, what did Paul say? When he realized who Jesus was in his boat, when he said, throw the, if you're familiar with the story, throw the net over, and all of a sudden all this fish came, and then Peter realized who he was, and he says, get away from me, I'm a man of unclean lips. And Jesus, hey, Jesus has come. His death on the cross was sufficient for you, so that you can boldly come before him, and he presents you because of what he's done for you. Because everyone outside of Israel was separated from God. Everyone outside was worshipping other beings, worshipping other things, far away from him. Because we were alienated. You know, and so if you're listening to this, you'll be thinking, well, that's kind of like, so Israel's God's chosen people and everyone else isn't. So God chose them. So he re God rejected us. No, no, God didn't reject us. When we, and if you're familiar with Scripture, we, we go, there are, there are three falls in the Bible, three times. There's three falls mentioned in the Bible. The first one is the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve in the Garden. And they reject God's wisdom. They reject God's definition of good and evil. And they redefine and, they, and they, t they seize the opportunity to take bite of the fruit to define good and evil in their own eyes. That's the first fall. Don't we do that today? You ain't going to tell me what to do. I'm going to define what's good and evil in my own eyes. Because my truth is God. Not your truth, 
my God, and that's the first four. The second four is the sons of God, the Benai Elohim. The sons of God came down and they, and they rebel against God and they take for themselves the daughters of men. That's the second four. The third four is the Tower of Babel. Well, humanity, they join forces and they go, you know what, stuff you, God. Right? And they build this tower to get into, put their, and the Bible says, to put, so their head reaches the heaven. We don't need you. So Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 8 to 9 tells us what happens next. So, what, so, so because humanity rejects God, God gives them what they want. Okay, okay, so you reject them, I'm going to give you what you want. So he hands them over to other spiritual beings. He hands them over to these other spiritual beings. And this is, and, but then he says, but he takes Israel as his own. Not because he's rejecting, oh, I'll reject you guys so I can take, I'm making my own nation. He does this so he can bring us back. And he does this through Abraham. And through Abraham, well, the, the nations will come back to him. The Bible tells us that it's these lesser rebellious spiritual beings. They are what is behind the corrupt evil in the world. We flick on the news, this, the corruption, the evil, you know, just uh, of, of babies being killed. It's this evil that's, that's, that is at work behind the scenes, these corrupt, evil, rebellious spirits. And that's what Paul says to them. Once you were outside, once you were alienated, muddled and sinful, doing evil deeds, but now suddenly you've been welcomed in. You've been summoned in. So so you're out there, but now you've been welcomed in. How? How has that happened? How, why are you back in? How did that happen? Through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we have been reconciled to God. Psalms 82 tells us that God condemns these lesser spiritual beings and he takes back the nations. When does he do that? At the cross. That's what Jesus says in Matthew 28, that all authority has been given to me. He takes back the, the authority, the power that he once had given to these spiritual beings. He takes it back at the cross. Now these beings have no power at all. He goes, verse 23. Pretty good. That's just Colossians chapter 1. Unpacking Colossians chapter 1. There's a lot in there. Verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith, if indeed, so he's writing saying that, to, if indeed you continue in the faith, anyone want to continue in the faith? Stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. See, the effects of the gospel don't just happen automatically. You've got to receive, you've got to accept this gift. He welcomes you in, He welcomes you as a gift, but it's still your decision. He doesn't force it upon you. He says, Here, I've given you this gift. So you can choose to, to step away from the kingdom of darkness and eat into life. Or you can say, ah, stuff you, God, I'm going to continue to build my own Tower of Babel where my head will reach into the heavens, where my, where my truth is God. So becoming a Christian is not just some kind of one-off thing that we did. Oh, that was a nice memory five years ago. I gave my heart to Jesus. But in your life right now, you're not bearing any fruit. And this is what the way the Apostle Paul opens this, this letter, but bearing fruit. Are you bearing fruit right now? Are you growing right now? If you are not growing right now, there's something wrong with your faith. There's something wrong with your relationship with God. And this is, Apostle Paul wants to encourage you. Come on, you can do this. Get, get, draw near to God. Verse 24, Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up 
what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church. The Apostle Paul, he's in prison. He's writing this. He's writing this letter to encourage them. And he said, look, I'm in prison right now, but I counted all joy for the gospel. The Apostle Paul, he's executed and, and he's eventually executed in prison, but he counted all joy. Over 500 missionaries left the Cook Islands. Over 500 missionaries left the Cook Islands. 15 were killed for their faith. 15 Cook Island missionaries died on the mission field. Eaten. I won't get into the facts. Reverend John Williams, who initiated the gospel coming to the Cook Islands, he is killed in Vanuatu, taking the gospel. What's really amazing, he's killed in Vanuatu, and yet these Cook Islanders, they go back to the very place where he was killed, and they begin to preach Christ. Why? Because of the saving power of Jesus. They once were in darkness. Now they've been set free. And they're like, we're not going to keep this to ourselves. There's lots of darkness in the world. What this world needs is the light of Jesus. And he calls you to take this light with us wherever we are, to bring light into the darkness. He has called you right where you are. He qualifies you. See, today in the Western world, our challenges look different. We may not go somewhere and get eaten by someone, but maybe you might do, you know, some of these weird people when you, some of these stories here. But the, the Bible, what's, uh, what's sad as me is that is when you read, when you look at social media, the Bible is considered hate speech. Hate speech. We need to decide, do we believe in the Bible? Do we believe that the Bible is God's word or don't we? Jesus certainly did, and he proved it by raising back to life. The Bible says that God only made man and woman. That's what the Bible tells me. Simple. The Bible also tells us that marriage is between one man and one woman. You can either believe the creator, or you can believe TikTok or social media. Who do you believe? Someone... Someone telling you something, or you're going to believe the Creator. You've got a choice. You decide. You believe the Creator, or you believe social media. Verse 26. Yeah, anyone enjoying uh, chapter 1 of Colossians? <laughs> Here we go. We're coming. Number 20, verse 26. The mystery. Oh, anyone likes mystery? The mystery hidden for ages. This, this is a mystery that's been hidden for the ages. And generations... But now, revealed to his saints, this was a mystery. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. A Gentile is someone who's not a Jew. There's the Jews and there's everyone else, the Gentiles. And, and, and why that's a mystery? Because all of a sudden, the Gentiles are welcomed in. As God chosen people. Now that's a mystery. How did that happen? How, how, how did that happen? In Psalms 82, you know, it was briefly on the passage. Have a read through Psalms 82. And throughout the Old Testament, God puts the rebellious spiritual beings on notice that their time is coming to an end. And those outside of Israel, the Gentiles will once again be reconciled to God. The how, how that was going to happen, that remained a mystery. Now, why? Why did that remain a mystery right until when Jesus came? Because if these spiritual beings knew that the cross was, was their demise, was where they lose, then they would never have crucified Jesus. They had no idea. 
They saw the Son of God. And they say, we need to get rid of this guy because our time is coming. And they crucified him. Can you imagine the spiritual beings having a party? Jesus is dead. We defeated them. They, they danced the jig until three days later. It's a three-day jig. There was no more jig. And they were declawed. You know, the next, if, you ever, if you ever feel like, I feel like there's a demon here. You know what? They're not biting your leg. They're gumming your leg because they've got no teeth. They lost their authority. And you know, too, many, too often we give these things power. They have no power. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. They've got no authority. They lost it at the cross. They might be pretty good at gumming your leg, but that's about it. Don't give them power. Don't give them power. Verse 28. We're landing in this plane. <laughs> Him we proclaim. I love this. Jesus we proclaim. Warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Right, come on. You're in darkness. You need to come to light. That we may present everyone mature in Christ. It's not enough just so you can have some conversion experience, but may you grow in maturity. That's what Paul's what He doesn't want people just, oh, look at it, we've got all these people saved. No, no, no. It's discipleship. It's growing. It's bearing fruit. This is what Paul is all about. It's discipleship, growing in the Lord, growing for all these things. And, and, and so the, the, the church in Colossae had never met the apostle Paul, Right? But he wants, him to, he wants him to know what he spends most of his time doing. And it's this. He announces Jesus as King and Lord. And he does it with the aim of bringing as many as possible to maturity in Christ Jesus. Not about just getting, oh, look how many conversions I've got today. No, no. It's, not, it's about, um, oh, it's time to grow together. Your relationship is meant to grow. May it grow. May it be fruitful. You see, if the Apostle Paul was here today, He'll say the same thing to you. He'll say, hey, well done. Keep bearing fruit. Keep, don't just stop. Don't, Jesus is all that you need. Keep living in faith, hope, and love that God loves you so much that he steps into his creation and in the fullness of Jesus. In the fullness of Jesus. Jesus is. He is, he is God in the physical and he died on the cross for your sin to set you free, to set you free from pain, to set you free from rejection, to set you free from your sins. This is, what, this is the love of God, the self-giving love. You have a choice. You either believe Jesus or not. It's as simple as that. Do you believe him or not? Did he die for you or not? You choose to believe that the word of God is the word of God or not. Is it the word of God or not? It's your choice. Just like there were false teachers in the time of the Apostle Paul. Say, hey, Jesus is a good start, but hey, we need more. We've just got, you know, Jesus is good, but he just really doesn't fit our society. And, you know, well, they didn't have the wisdom that we have. We've got all this great knowledge now. They really didn't have it back then. So, so because of our wisdom, you know, let's just, let's just, let's just move Jesus. and Let's just change things. Let's, let's begin to, to, to change the Word of God. Today, the Western world is discrediting the Bible. There is an intelligent evil at work, and it's called compromise. Compromise scripture, so that we can become popular to our friends. But you say, who am I to stand up against public opinion? Who am I to stand up against public pressure? I'm not qualified enough. 
God does not call the qualified, but he qualifies the court. You know, John Williams, who, had, who lost his life, taking the gospel, this is 1839, he loses his life in Vanuatu. But his vision to see more and more natives being trained to take the gospel to the utter ends of the world becomes a reality through the opening of Takamore Theological College in Rarotonga. And so this is, and it's opened in 1830, the same year that he's killed. This theological college is opened, and they begin to train people, teach people the gospel. The students of Takamore Theological College were the gospel pioneers of the Pacific. These native teachers will introduce the gospel to the northern groups of the Cook Islands. They will take the gospel to Tuvalu, introduce the gospel to Tuvalu, to New Caledonia, Vanuatu, Papua New Guinea, just to name a few. Instrumental in the gospel being established in Samoa came from this, from this college. So many Cook Islanders lost their lives for the gospel. And, and they lost it gladly. And their stories live on in the annuals of the writings of the London Mission Society. The Cook Islanders have sent out more missionaries per capita than any other country in the world. Did you know that? They've sent out more missionaries per capita than any other countries in the world. These native missionaries truly were gospel pioneers. The gospel has the power to transform lives from the kingdom of darkness to life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Your past doesn't define you. You are exactly who God wants to use right where you are. God doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. Mm. 